Hello, welcome to Cherry Beckert's GovCom podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. My name is Eric Poppy. I'm a managing director with Cherry Beckert's Government Contract Services Group. And with me today is Jeff and Jacqueline from our GovCon team. Uh, Jeff is a senior manager on the team and Jacqueline is a manager on our team. And today we are discussing DCA's annual report to Congress for FY22, which was recently published. But before we really jump in and get into the weeds of what DCA um, communicated to Congress, Jeff, Jacqueline, do you guys want to give a quick intro on just your experience at DCA, both being former um, employees of the agency? Jeff, I'll go to you first. Absolutely. Thanks, Eric. As Eric said, I'm a senior manager here at Cherry Beckett for just over a month now. Prior to that, I was with the Defense Contract Audit Agency for approximately 14 years, uh, serving various roles such as a senior auditor, supervisory auditor, quality manager, and most recently, a senior financial liaison advisor. I've spent a lot of time leading audits, reviewing audits, and managing all of the audits that DCA has to offer. And with that, I'll pass it to Jacqueline. Hi, my name is Jacqueline LeClaire, manager with Cherry Beckert. I've been with Cherry Beckert for about a year and a half now. Um, I was with DCA for a little over eight years and did a whole gambit of audits, forward pricing, incurred cost, and all the good stuff. And then uh, with DCMA for about two years. Thank you both. Um, so very interested to get your insights from the um, report to Congress that DCA put out. So today's podcast, we're going to walk through some of those highlights that we saw. And, you know, this is a little bit of a piggyback on the webinar that we did back in the spring as well. But, you know, this report came out uh, early summer, so we wanted to make sure we talked about it. So Jacqueline, to start off, can you give us a little bit of an overview of how many audits were conducted by DCAA and what were the question costs that were noted? All right. So for fiscal year 22, uh, DCA examined nearly $262.3 billion in contract costs and identified more than $5.7 billion of audit exceptions across 2,560 audit reports and reported $3 billion in net savings and produced a return on investment of approximately 4.6 to 1. So for pricing, we had 486 audits, incurred costs were 522, claims and terminations were 902, and systems cast in 10 audits were 650 reports. And wow. if we want to do a quick breakdown on the audit exceptions by audit type, we have uh, 4,166,551,000 in forward pricing where the bulk of it is. Uh, the incurred costs were 1.1 billion, claims and terminations 261 million, and systems cast in 10 audit exceptions were 205.5 billion a million. Sorry. So, Jeff, just turning it over to you. You know, what does this overall mean if you're a contractor, and you know, what's the overall return of investment on these types of audits? Absolutely. So, DCAA computes the return on investment using their annual funding dollars based on their exceptions um, that were sustained. And what that means is DCA might have question cost, but that doesn't necessarily mean that a contracting officer is negotiating that amount. And what we do see is that forward pricing had a $22 return on investment. So every dollar that DCAA spent, they returned $22. For incurred cost, they uh, sustained 
$2.45, or I'm sorry, the return on investment was $2.45. So already you can see a pretty big drastic difference between forward pricing and incurred cost. Claims and terminations return on investment was approximately $2.26 for every dollar spent. And then systems audits, CAS audits, and truth in negotiations audits, the return on investment was approximately 45 cents. So in seeing that, you can see that DCAA's bread and butter for their sustention and what they're kind of expressing to Congress on how they have a return on their investment is mostly focused on forward pricing. You're going to see much more exceptions in forward pricing, not that they're always going to be negotiated at 100% sustention rate, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But for the most part, the focus for question costs and sustention ends up being forward pricing, incurred costs, and then claims and terminations. So if you're a contractor and you're spending forward pricing rates, you know that's going to look be looked at under a hardcore microscope and probably really picked at every stone overturn to try to just go into that return on investment of $22. Like, wow, if I'm submitting forward pricing rates and it's about to go through an audit, we're trying to get to an FP, um, FPRA, like it's, you know, it's going to be looked at pretty closely. Exactly. Wow. Um, Jacqueline, was there any discussion in the report about investigative cases? Why, yes, yes, there was. Uh, for fiscal year 22, uh, DCA auditors worked on 372 investigative cases, and their efforts contributed to monetary recoveries of $328 million for this past year. Wow. And, and, and Jeff, just, you know, kind of ping-ponging back between the two of you, since love to keep picking your brains on this with your experience, going back to those suspension rates, you know, how important are those rates to DCA and also to our clients? You know, how does this impact them? Yeah, so uh, suspension is pretty important to DCA. That is the number that they are submitting to Congress as their main metric, uh, what they are tracking overall. How much question costs are they saving? How much are they saving the taxpayer in the end? It's kind of how they, you know, justify a lot of what they do. I think part of, you know, their main mission is, you know, supporting the warefighter, saving the taxpayer. Um, you can see that they have various suspensions broken out pretty much by the types of audits that they do. Uh, the audit exceptions that they had for forward pricing were almost $5.5 billion, but they only sustained a little over $3 billion, resulting in about a 56.2% sustention rate. So that lets you know that you might go through forward pricing audits. You might see a pretty significant amount of question costs, but that it's not always going to be sustained in the end. There's a lot of wiggle room in estimating um, in the methodologies that are used that might not always be supported at a negotiation. Um, from there, for incurred cost audits, there were about $2 billion in audit exceptions, but only $531 million that was sustained, which resulted in a 26.2% sustention rate. For claims and terminations, so there was about $380 million in audit exceptions with a $172 million sustention, which resulted in a 45.4% sustention rate. And then for the systems audits, the CAS audits, and the truth and negotiations audit, there were about 448 million audit exceptions, question cost, and about 127 million of those exceptions that were sustained, which resulted in only a 28.3% sustention rate. You can see the, the biggest area where they have the most question cost and the most sustention is in forward pricing, um, then followed by the systems CAS and TIN audits, or I'm sorry, followed by claims and terminations, and then your systems CAS and TIN audits, and then incurred cost. Very interesting. Um, any Was there any guidance in the reports that you all pulled uh, regarding how long these audits are taking? You know, historically, 
we've we've always heard horror tales of DCA taking years on audits and you know then you hear some where auditors come in and you know they submit the request list and then they don't hear from them again all of a sudden they pop up again six months later anything about timing uh so dca has implemented a day count for an average length of time to complete their audit so for forward pricing they were averaging about 88 days incurred cost about 204 days Claims and terminations were running around 148 days on average, and the systems, casts, and 10 audits were running around 280 days on average. Wow. Um, and then anything, you know, I feel like it was big news a couple of years ago when they were contracting out, um, having IPAs, independent public accounting firms, helping out with these incurred cost audits. Any guidance there? Okay, so for the fiscal year 2018 National Defense Authorization Act, DCA started awarding task orders for the incurred cost audits to being submitted. Uh, we had 117 incurred cost audits that were performed by independent public accountants for 2022. And I know, um, you know, we're also seeing just a piggyback on that. A lot of other agencies also using IPAs for their incurred cost audits. So, uh, you know, DCAA had awarded it out and DOD is going that route, but then other agencies as well. So it's interesting to see that number always jumps out. I'm just wondering, you know, is the government or is it going to be a third party that's looking at this? Um, you know, I, real quick. No, yeah. go ahead. As I say, circling back to the, um, the length of time that DCA takes to perform an audit, I know one of the things you said kind of they are taking a little longer than I think most would like. And what I think we saw from a trend from fiscal year 21 to fiscal year 22 was pretty much an increase across the board on all of the audits um, for forward pricing, incurred costs, claims and terminations, as well as the systems CAS and TIN. Can you think of any reason for that? You know, part of it, which I think we're going to talk about a little later, is probably I think what most of the DOD is kind of going through all of the agencies was just a, a shift in the experienced staff that they have. Um, I think DCA recently has lost a lot of people and they're working on staffing that up right now. There's been a lot of movement within the agency at senior level positions as well, which, you know, kind of opens up the uh, the umbrella of promotions kind of working up. So I think you have a, a lot of new supervisors, a lot of new staff, a lot of people that are, you know, working through things, which is probably just adding a little bit of that additional you know on the job training that's taking place well and i think that for you know our the companies that we help out and that we help get through the audit process the big piece big takeaway there is as a contractor and as consultants for us we have to know the regulations and you know use the publicly available audit programs and really understand what the ask is um to make sure you know not not saying to keep auditors in their lanes and when there comes to testing, but just to make sure that we're understanding the question completely and being able to answer that and as an effective in a, and as an effective way as possible, um, especially if a lot of these auditors are newer and are learning. Yeah, and I think that's important. It's, it's, it's always good to know just to make sure, like you said, to make sure everyone's kind of staying in their lane. You're not over asking and just doing what's needed. Yep. And, and you know, kind of to piggyback on that, um, with those audits, usually, again, there's guidance out there to know what what this will probably um, cover. Now, OTAs or other transaction authorities, there's, you know, that was a really hot topic a couple of years ago. Jeff, can you talk a little bit about um, how DCA assists with OTAs and 
what is, you know, what what's DCA currently helping with that? You know, what's the current trend or anything that was uh, called out in the report? Absolutely. I think DCA is is definitely trying to get involved as much as they can um, with those OTAs. Like you said, there's been a, a recent push. I think we've seen recent trends for increases um, in contracting using OTAs. So DCA currently supports agreements officers in OTAs in several ways. They do provide advisory services or negotiation support for forward pricing type situations. Um, you know, even though it's not following the FAR, they might do some quick reasonableness testing to be able to try to get something on contract as quickly as possible. Um, they also give advice on the specific elements of an agreement, um, helping to try to scope some of the language that goes in there. And they also include or can include OTAs as part of the incurred cost audits if a couple you know, criteria are met. Um, and that is basically if the agreements contain an audit clause and also if the agreements officer wants those costs to be audited. And to kind of put it in perspective, in fiscal year uh, 2022, DCAA examined $375 million worth of OTAs and questioned about $981,000. Wow. Um, do you know off the top of your head, either of you, if that was up from 2021? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering and for comparison purposes, but yeah, yeah, you mentioned incurred cost audits a moment ago. Um, do you mind just talking through the difference for an incurred cost audit and, you know, and pretty much the high and low risk? When's a low risk memo issued? Um, when is it issued over another? You know, what? How many were issued for by DCA and FY22? So we yeah, get that absolutely. question a lot. Yeah, there's there's definitely some different criteria that goes in for each of those. So DCAA does have specific criteria that must be met to determine whether an incurred cost audit is going to be requested as an audit or if a low risk memo is going to be issued. Um, so incurred cost audits are requested if the contractor's ADV, which is auditable dollar value, is $1 billion or greater. If they're not meeting any of the criteria that's listed for a low risk memo, um, if the regional audit manager or corporate audit manager approval of audits for incurred cost proposals with sampling ADV is less than $5 million, if there's risks related to specific direct costs, and this could be related to a specific contract or a specific concern that's raised by an ACO, uh, DCA can go ahead and give that preference and, and give it an audit rather than putting it in the sampling pool. And then also when establishing a direct cost only assignment where they're only going to be looking at direct costs in the incurred cost submission when the agency responsible for the indirect rates does not participate. So a little bit now on the, the low risk memo criteria. So what DCA does first is the office will try to determine what that auditable dollar value is. And from there, the DCAA office will develop and complete a sampling eligibility determination form that they use to evaluate whether the incurred cost proposal is eligible for sampling. If it is eligible for sampling, then they do place it into the sampling universe where it's subject to random selection for audit based on the various sampling parameters that DCAA utilizes. So I think one of the other things you kind of asked about were kind of the difference between how many how many audit reports are they doing and how many mm -hmm. low risk memos are they doing. Yep, so for great. FY, yeah, so for FY 2022, DCAA issued about 522 actual incurred cost audit reports and the dollars that they looked at were $186 billion. Now, to put that into perspective to the low risk memos, there were 2,900 low risk memos that covered about $48 billion worth of cost. And I believe for all of those, they were weeding, getting them all done within their 12-month requirement unless a specific waiver was granted. 
Yeah, so what, what I would wonder when looking and hearing those numbers is <clears throat> knowing the very large primes, you know, what's the distribution of sizes in there as well for organizations and companies. So, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, um, was there any uh, guidance that was given by DCA to Congress regarding some post-pandemic activities or the current environment? I think there were a couple of things. So um, DCA staff returned to offices in May 2022 for approximately two workdays per period. Prior to that, everything was being handled remotely or coming in on, on an as-needed basis. Um, the DCAA's Defense Contract Audit Institute, which is the institute that they utilize to provide all of their formal training, um, continues to offer virtual and live courses. So they are getting a little bit of a mix of some of that in-person training, which I think I know a lot of people probably value and appreciate, but also the virtual so that you can kind of meet needs, um, you know, as they come up. So their goal right now is to reduce costs and possibly consider consolidating smaller offices. Um, and I think we've kind of seen that as a recent trend within DCAA that they've been consolidating a lot of smaller offices and kind of lumping them up. If you've noticed, you know, you're working with um, a newer branch manager or an office that used to have one name that now has a different name that's kind of a com combined branch office. Some of the other things that are kind of new is in fiscal year 2022, DCAA established the Operations Business Enterprise and Data Intelligence Division, so that's a mouthful there, to develop innovative <laughs> solutions to complex data challenges uh, by leveraging some emerging technologies. So they're currently involved with DCAA's procurement of a replacement management information system. Uh, they're trying to pick out a new one and get that up and running. But ultimately this, uh, we'll call, give it the acronym OBD, which is what DCAA uses for this team, Operations uh, Business Data Intelligence, uh, is planning to work with contractors to enhance the audit process utilizing technology. So another piece of important information that came up um, is DCAA's external peer review. For those that aren't familiar, DCAA is required to pass an external peer review uh, every three years. The most recent review was completed in July of 2022 by an independent accounting firm in which DCAA received a rating of pass. Well, that's 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 good to know. <clears throat> and I just, you know, even piggybacking on a few years ago, actually, it's more than a few years ago now when uh, DCA was hit with not meeting professional standards that I think that's something that's good to call out. Um, but, you know, with that and some closing thoughts as we uh, wrap up this podcast today, um, you know, the big thing that I take away when listening to both of you talk through what was in the report was really that focus on forward pricing rate audits and jumping out and knowing that we've heard from um, companies that we've talked to, just how they're really interested to submit forward pricing rates for estimating purposes, how they're getting notification from their um, and from their BD teams that they're hearing from the the agencies that they would like to be submitting forward pricing rates. So just how much of a emphasis is being pushed on that from an audit perspective. And so with that, um, if anyone has any questions that's listening about um, navigating through a DCA audit, helping with an incurred cost submission responses to the government, please feel free to reach out. Um, and thank you very much for tuning in today on our Cherry Becker GovCon podcast. Um, appreciate you listening and um, thank you again and reach out if you have any questions.